0: I'm Joanna Juvelis, host of Belmont Buzz, and today is April 29th, 2021, and I'm actually taping the show out out of the studio, and pleased that it's not via Zoom, it's being brought to you in person, in the office and home of local Belmont podiatrist, Dr. David Alper, Welcome, David.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here Thank you for having
0: me in your office. (laughs) We actually are in an exam room right now.
1: And your shoes are still on.
0: And my shoes are still on, but we'll see how long that lasts. There we go. (laughs) But I wanted to interview you because I heard a rumor, and maybe you can confirm if it's true or not, that you are retiring. You are closing your office on May 14th.
1: And that is correct. That is correct. It's been about 35 and a half years. It's been an awfully good run. Uh, But the time has come. I I very quickly add to anyone talking to me about it that I'm perfectly healthy, that this is a decision that I made with the family and myself, that it's time to see what else life has to offer. Uh, I turned 65 last month. I guess that's okay to admit to everybody. Um, And just like when I felt it was time to leave the Board of Health after 30 years, I think it's time to kind of wrap it up, let a few other people do the footwork and... uh, See what else is going on out there. No
0: pun intended. No Footwork. Pun intended. We're going to be using a lot of these little puns. Sorry about that. Let's let's tell our viewers a little bit more about you, who you are. You are not originally from Belmont, right? No,
1: though I have spent more than half my life here. I was born in Brooklyn and raised on Long Island because that's what people did back in the early '60s. Um, I grew up there. I went to college in both Rochester, New York, and out in California. Mm-hmm. I did medical school in Cleveland, Ohio. I did my internship at Bethesda Naval Hospital, my residency in Kansas City at um, the hospital there, Truman Medical Center, mm-hmm. and then I spent a year fellowship in Jerusalem before I came to this lovely Berg.
0: But before we get into all that, how did you decide to, to make your career podiatry? How does one come to that decision?
1: Well, I wasn't born to it. I think some people are, to tell you the truth. I actually went to college for analytical chemistry and physics. I was looking desperately to do research work. And I actually had a job working for NASA for a year when I got out of school. I was not Mm -hmm. part of the space program. We were the ones, for those of you old enough to remember, that were checking the effects of aerosols on the ozone layer. This is back when they were trying to switch the uh, spray cans over. And so I worked at Ames Research Center out in Moffett Field in California. And my job was to sit in a room not much bigger than this with really? a bunch of equipment and we had a little bird that sat up on the shelf. And if the bird hit the bottom of the cage, I was to get out of there mm-hmm. because that meant some of the deadly gas had gotten out. And I did that <laughs> for a year. And I realized that my life stream was the worst thing in the world for me because I never saw anybody all day. I was working with equipment. I was cranking along and it was just not what I had thought it would be. No. So I ran away to Cleveland, because where else do you go when you need to run away? And I had a very, very good friend there that <laughs> let me live with him until I figured out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And while I was there, um, another good friend there suggested that I think of going into medicine. Mm-hmm. I had never taken a medicine course in my life, but I figured I didn't know where else I was going. Mm-hmm. And they had a podiatry school there, and I applied to the podiatry school that was um, really in Cleveland. And they accepted me on the condition that I attend biology 101 and 102 at Cuyahoga Community College. So the summer before I get in, I was a community college student and went to school there. And at that time, podiatry appealed to me because... First of all, it's a very, very broad part of medicine. I mean I never know, even to this yeah. day, what's walking in here. I could have someone with a broken foot, I could be doing surgery and the next minute I'm cutting the toenails of somebody with diabetes to prevent them from having a problem. So never a dull moment. It's never a dull moment and you really never know what's going to walk in here. I mean I I, I could <laughs> fill you you
0: said that
1: <laughs> uh, it, you're going to pick up on all of them. I can fill your whole tape with stories of, of the things that have walked in and out of here. The other thing is that I knew for me, I didn't want to deal with life and death. It, it's certainly a wonderful thing that people embrace that part of medicine, but it was not something that really was in my wheelhouse that I, I wanted to be able to work with people you know, on this level. Okay. And the best thing about podiatry is that most people leave feeling a lot better than they come, which is not true of most medicine. So they kind of crawl in and dance out. And that gives me my strokes and makes me a hero many times every day. And that's really kind of a wonderful part of it. Um, Right. Well,
0: I was going to ask you what you find most, what you have found most rewarding about your career. So you would say that that's what you found.
1: The amount of relief that I'm able to give people because of of the training that I've had, because of the care that I'm able to render, never gets old. It never gets old. Um, Somebody did a survey for the American Medical Association asking people what doctors were the, specialties were the most important parts of their lives. And for people over 55, cardiologists were number one, sort of made sense, podiatrists were number two. Really? Your feet hurt, you feel lousy all over. That's true. You know,
0: How would you say your field has changed over the years?
1: Oh my Lord, when I was a student, the surgical residency was one year. We mostly concentrated on the front of the foot. Surgical residencies are now three years, and they do everything above the an, up to above the ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It actually surpassed me as far as that goes. And in fact, about four or five years ago, I closed the surgical part of my practice, and I focused on the medical part of my practice because I saw other podiatrists coming in here, some young bucks, as it were, mm-hmm. um, who far outpaced my skills and knowledge. And it was really better served that they did this. And I was able to focus on what came in here through the office. Um, but, you know, again, it was the diversification of the types of things that I dealt with. It also really allowed me to get to know my patients. Because if you're sitting in my chair, and I'm working on a, something simple like a planner award or, you know, along those lines, we can talk just like we are here now. And that's been the other wonderful benefit of having this practice here in Belmont, is I've gotten to know so many people. And I'm realizing now how many deep friend and relationships I have you know, as I'm saying goodbye to uh, 30 people a day, so. Um,
0: That's really something. Well, I want to talk about how you landed in Belmont and how you landed in this beautiful home here at One Oak Avenue that you live in okay. as well as practice in, and it's been since 1985 that you've been here, which is about 35 and a half yep, years.
1: I moved here in July of 85. We opened up the office in November. Um, and it
0: was a doctor's office, right? That's correct.
1: It was a Dr. Eli Jacobs was a, what was called a family physician back then. And it was his office for 40 years. So it's been a doctor's office for over 75 years. And he did the same thing that I do now that he raised three children upstairs. Um, And he did everything here. He actually delivered babies in this office. You're kidding me. Family physicians, this is what they did, you know? And so he was here and I actually found Bell. Well, back up. I was bartending in Somerville. And you do then, have quite
0: an interesting background.
1: I, I, and then, well, it's how I supported myself R-tending, in medical DJing. school.
0: Bartending, DJing. Listen to this guy's voice.
1: Well, if you keep moving, they can't catch you. <laughs> so I was bartending at, at a bar called Mary Ann's, which was an old BC bar. out. In I Brighton.
0: remember Mary Ann's. I'm, I'm a BC graduate. I, I
1: may have poured you something. <laughs> and... My wife, at the time, my girlfriend came to visit me, and I was just so frustrated because I couldn't find a place to open the office. I could find a lot of places not to open the office where podiatrists were clustered and et cetera, et cetera. And she said, have you looked at Belmont? Pam grew up here in Massachusetts. Oh, she did. And Yeah, she's from Maynard. And I said, I don't know, where the heck is Belmont? Never heard of it. And so she told me where to go. And so one Saturday morning, I climbed into my little Volkswagen Rabbit, and I (laughs) drove and I found Belmont. And I was like, wow, nice little town near this. Da, da, da. And as I hit Cushing Square, I looked up Trapella Road, and there was a medical supermarket because you had all these doctors on the first floor of homes.
0: That's something? You, you know, you
1: had a, an um, osteopath, you had a dermatologist, a dentist, psychiatrist. I mean, all just right along between what is now Muzzy's and the gas station in Cushing Square on both sides of the street. Ophthalmologist was there. So I was saying, this is not a bad place to look. And as I drove down further, I saw them carrying equipment out of this office.
0: That's just destiny, right? Some things are just meant to
1: be. So I walked up the stairs, and there were Dr. and Mrs. Jacobs hanging out inside here, kind of packing boxes. And I knocked on the door. I was dressed like a schlub because I figured I wasn't going to see anybody. And I said, has anybody rented this space? And they kind of looked at each other and said, well, we didn't think of renting it. We live here. And we sat and talked, and two hours later, I had a lease. That's something. With the condition that I had to live here, because the reason that I'm allowed to do this here, because it is zoned for residential, is Belmont says that professionals, doctors, attorneys, lawyers, accountants, are allowed to have an office in their home. So they were still living upstairs. I actually lived in the back of my office for the first two years of my life. I had a hot plate, a dresser. And my waterbed, because I was a little hippie-ish back then.
0: Where did you live before you moved in here?
1: I was living in Somerville, on Medford Street in Somerville, um, just because it was a good place to live. And I lived here for about two, two and a half years that way. So Pam was very understanding, dating this doctor who lived in a box like this. And I had a curtain. I'd pull the curtain at the end of the day and go home. That's something. Dr. Jacobs, unfortunately, passed away around Memorial Day in 88, 87, excuse me, and Mrs. Jacobs passed away around Labor Day in 87, and so I was put in a position of having to buy the house from the kids, and then it became mine.
0: That's quite a story. Yeah,
1: but some things were just kind of meant to be. I would say so. Now, they were... Four podiatrists in this area when I opened up. There was Dr. Pays in. You're uh, kidding Belmont. me. No, was Pays in Belmont Center. There was Dr. Vallon, who's still alive, who practiced up on Blanchard. There was Ted Atkinson, who practiced in. So you had some Waverley. competition. Well, this is interesting. Within six months, two of them died.
0: That's you can't really kill all four of them because it looks too suspicious.
1: But um, <laughs> they were incredibly welcoming to me as not only a new podiatrist, but I was the first podiatrist around here that was a surgeon. They were all non-surgical podiatrists. And so they fed me patients and they were, it, it was a real camaraderie. It, it was That's a wonderful, really wonderful welcome for the new guy coming into town. And we worked very well together. So,
0: Was it challenging to have a practice in the place where you live, to, like, to, to live where you practice? Very much so. How is that?
1: Well of course you never leave the office because (laughs) even if you're upstairs it's always kind of humming in your ear and of course when I lived in the back I mean it was 10 steps away yeah it's not for everybody it's and I have many 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 colleagues that were amazed I was able to do it you have to really be able to get the mindset Mm -hmm. that you're going to leave that away because otherwise I could be doing charts all the time yeah but here's the fun part I have saved weddings because the doorbell rang Sunday morning and there's the mother of the bride who can't wear her shoes because her feet are killing her because her toenails are grown. And I did a 10 minute thing and put her shoes on and she went to her wedding. I love that story, that I, I love that story, <laughs> that's a great story. So they story. would ring my home bell and many people did that, many people. And I like that, again, <laughs> you have to like that. That was part of the wonders of practicing and living in Belmont is that I became immodestly part of the community. And people knew where I lived. They knew I was here. They sometimes took advantage of it, and it was really okay.
0: Might have been hard going to the grocery store. You just want to go to the grocery store to get some milk, and then you run into a patient doctor. My foot hurts.
1: And, and Joanna, people will take their shoes off anywhere. In uh, anywhere, I've had people do the produce doing it in restaurants. Or <laughs> I've gone out to their cars in the parking lots. Um, <laughs> I'm lucky because I enjoy it. Uh, to the fact that they're willing to trust me to ask my opinion about looking at something. Nowadays, I get a, a, get pictures. My phone is full of ugly feet. But back <laughs> then, people would have no problems stopping me. You know, pay some park concerts. They'd be sitting there listening to the music, and somebody's sitting there. Um, whether the patients or just know I'm a foot doctor. But that was fun to me. Uh, you know, it, it again the fact that they trust you and it just makes you a little more of kind of the community type of thing um like i said you need to have the personality to practice this way in my case yes Mm -hmm. i will tell you a little secret that there were times when pam and i were first married before the kids would we sometimes i'd take her to a hotel for a weekend just to get out of the building really you know just to say you know come on let's go down to the double tree or something and just because there were definitely days, especially in the winter, where I never left the structure. I fall down the stairs in the morning, I work, and I go up at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So it could get you a little bit. But for the most part, it's been a one And I get to watch my kids grow up. You know, that's, that's the other thing. Right? When they were babies, Pam used to pass them through this window so that my patients could hold them while I was working. Because they wanted to follow up on my kids.
0: Oh, that's such a cute uh, story. You know,
1: and... So many of my patients watch my kids grow up. they come running down the hall, Daddy, I got an A, or, you know, whatever. So here I am, available to my children 24-7, if they need me. And I got to watch them grow up. And there's nothing more valuable than that. And so that was another aspect of it. I agree. That, that was great.
0: Have you, are there patients that you've actually had since the very beginning and still have today?
1: I actually just said goodbye to a woman the other day who's been coming here every two months for 32 years. I have gone through three generations. That's what makes you feel a little old. You know, oh, Dr. Alper, I'm so glad to hear you're still practicing. I've been wanting to bring my kid to you. I'm like, oh, my God, because they were teenagers when they were here. Um, But that's a fun thing. You know, That's so wonderful that they have a a good memory of being here that they want to share it with the family. There's many, many people here that I've had over 20 years. Uh, Very fortunate in that way.
0: Would you say the time has flown?
1: Oh, my God, yes. I could sit here and describe to you in detail the very first patient I had here the first day I opened, which was the only patient I had the first day I opened. Um, I have no idea. You know, your age number doesn't really, I think, mean much to most people because it's all what's inside your head. It's the passing of time of the things you do that's amazing. So the fact that I'm 65 means nothing to me. That I've been doing this for almost 36 years, that's mind-boggling to me Mm -hmm. that that went by. Um, My son... Brian for Father's Day made me a sign. I don't know if you saw it in the waiting room. Over one million toes treated. And we figured I'll have it, to out, check it out. And it's true. Just because of the numbers that come through. That's
0: really something. I know, isn't that funny? What, what would you say you're going to miss the most?
1: This. And that sounds trite, I know. This and, and the challenges. You know, whenever you have a patient come in front of you, um, you become a detective a little bit. Why does it hurt, Doc? You know, what did I do? What happened? It's not always that way, but you don't have a day where you don't have that, and so it keeps your mind active. It keeps you challenged. Um, it forces me to continue studying and to be able to keep up to date with things. But it's absolutely the, the the personal aspect of it, and that again is one of the things unique about podiatry. You know, if you're going into, I don't know, a urologist or or, or you know, an orthopedist or something, you're really focused on the problem. But if you're sitting in my chair and I'm working on your feet, we can have conversations like this. And I've taken people through births, weddings, marriages, divorces. I, I know so much about so many of uh, my patients' lives. And Almost that's like just a
0: hairdresser, a, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> or a bartender. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and that's going to be the hardest thing to leave because I'm a little concerned personally that the silence is going to be deafening. Um, I'm used to being with 30, 40 people a day. 30. Well, that's what
0: I want to ask you next. Well, before I get into that, the, the question that just came to mind, I just sure. want to ask you, I know you decided not to sell your practice. You just decided to close it. Why did you decide not to? Sell?
1: Well, it, it was a decision of the environment, Joanna. The reality mm-hmm. is, is nowadays kids out of medical school can't buy practices. They are so deeply in debt that number one, they don't have any money. Number two, no one's going to give them any money number 3 they need a big salary from day one to start paying off those student loans. So, when I opened up this is just what you did and I went to a bank, I actually went to 12 banks until I found one that lent me money to start a business. You can't do that nowadays fresh out of medical school with no. six figures of debt. That's true. Uh, you know, so that was you know so that whole group of people was out the door for me. Um, practices in Massachusetts generally don't Merge together, kind of buy each other. I did actually approach Mount Auburn Hospital very briefly, but they're not really doing that too much either. And, you know, there was the thought of, well, maybe I'll sell my patient list to somebody. But here's the bottom line my patients are going to have to go somewhere. So why should these folks get charged for something that's going to happen naturally? Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing, which was a personal thing, whenever you sell a medical practice, like with any other business, You usually spend four to six months with the person taking over, you know, kind of put your arm around their shoulder and introduce them. I I didn't want to do that. I I just, you know, the thought of of working with somebody after all this time, I guess I don't play well with others. Um, (laughs) The the fact of having to pass my patients over and the likes, it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. And so I figured, all right, uh, my kids have zero interest in medicine. I guess I should put that out there, um, which is fine.
0: None of them went into the medical no, field. No you, have t- you have two 23-year-old twins and a 21-year-old.
1: Right. And my, my 23-year-old son, Adam, is a mechanical engineer here in Boston. Um, my daughter is currently getting her MBA at King's College in London. And my youngest is studying to become a marine biologist up at Biddeford, Maine. No idea where that came from. I think
0: late. I have an idea where that came from. You have a fish tank, which we're going to go take a look well, at. Well,
1: I do have a fish <laughs> tank, I, and I actually have five of them in the basement because I have a son who's a marine biologist, That's so really you don't want to schlep to the basement. But, um, yeah, so when I added it all up together, you know, it just was kind of like, it's time. Now, if another doctor decides to come along and take the house and the, and the office and turn it in, that would be fabulous.
0: You know, You're not quite there yet though.
1: You know, it's such a huge thing to shut down something that's been part of your life for so long that I'm focusing on one thing at a time. Right. Belmont is a deep 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 part of me and so I've got to figure out where we're going to live well, and, you know. You haven't
0: figured out like do you know what you want to do in your retirement?
1: When I grow up? <laughs> Well, I, I'm very fortunate. I sit on a couple of national boards. I, I am on the board of trustees of the American Podiatry Association. So you
0: plan to stay on and, those boards? Yep.
1: And I also sit on the national boards for American Diabetes. Um, I teach at Northeastern's PA program, and I'm hoping to do more teaching. So these are the types of things I'll slide into. COVID obviously makes it the worst year to retire because you're kind of held down a little bit. Uh, but one of the other things I'm really looking forward to doing eventually is going back to school. You know, the universities here in the Boston area allow seniors to audit classes at no cost. Oh, I did not know so that. So you don't get credits, of course, but you can sit in and take the lectures and they'll actually grade your papers. What and do things.
0: you think you want to study?
1: You know, everything I've never studied I, I, art Good history, for you. music history. Um, you know, anthropology. I mean, just things that, you know, when you're, especially when you're a STEM student, we didn't call it that back then, you know, you're on the track for that. And so the left side of the brain stuff kind of gets left over on the side. Um, I think the idea of sitting at a university classroom with a bunch of students and a professor, I think appeals to me. I can
0: see you being a professor though.
1: Well, I do, I do enjoy my teaching. I, I must admit, but, um, yeah, I could kind of expand the mind a little bit. With that. I, <laughs> I, I'm really, I'm not doing willing to do it virtually. I want to be back in the classroom. So I'm waiting for COVID to uh, subside mm-hmm. enough to let the schools open up again and, uh, well, let's hope. and let us come in. I,
0: I want to talk about how you really are part of this community, this Belmont community. And I'm sure that you plan to stay in the area or maybe even in the town when you retire. But that's one thing that I think makes you special not just at you know as a podiatrist. I mean I think it makes you special as a podiatrist and as a resident is the fact that you got so involved in so many things in this town. You you served on the Board of Health for thirty years. You helped found the Payson Park Music Festival and sponsor it every year. I mean I can go on and on. Tell me tell tell our viewers more about all the things that you've done oh. <laughs> for this community.
1: Um Let me take it a different way, Joanna. I have always believed, and I've tried to desperately teach my children, too, that in order to live in a good community, you have to make it a good community. And obviously everybody has their own comfort level of what depth you do that in. But I wanted to make sure that this was going to be a town that that I would enjoy living in, and I wanted to, to help that happen. When I first opened the office, nobody knew me here. I mean, why would they come to me? I was like some guy that hung up a sign.
0: The guy from Brooklyn?
1: The guy from Brooklyn. So, I started getting out there, letting people know I was here. I did not want to build a practice by putting up signs and handing out coupons and things like that. <laughs> I really felt that people should get to know the doctor behind the practice. And as so I if there were three people in a room, mm. I brought a slide projector and gave a talk on feet. And I attended things and and the more that I did it, the more I saw the type of community that it was, that you really, so, so many people here had kind of the cheers mentality, you know, where everybody knows your name. Where
0: everybody knows your name. Where everybody
1: knows your name. And I wanted that so desperately to be for my home, especially growing up in, in a New York City environment. Well, yeah, you knew people in your neighborhood, but it was so overwhelming. And so the more that I did to try to get out there, the more I saw that there was abilities to be able to become part of the fabric of the town. And what I had made a conscious decision of is anything I did to try to promote myself, aside from lecturing, of course, was not going to have a big banner sponsored by Dr. David Alper, but that they would recognize my name and they would recognize the person. And if they were comfortable with the person and then they had a foot problem, maybe they would think of coming to me with it. So for instance, the first couple of years, I sponsored and paid for the Thanksgiving dinners for the seniors here long before we had a senior center.
0: And you actually helped build that senior center. You helped make that possible, if I, I recall. I worked
1: with the committee to help make that yes,
0: possible. Yes, you did.
1: But when I paid for the dinners, I had two requirements. Number one, there wasn't going to be any sign on there that it was from Dr. Alpert. And number two, I had to be allowed to work it, that I was behind the counter helping. Well, of course, they were thrilled to have a volunteer. And it gave me a chance to talk to the people. There used to be an organization in town long before you came along called the Belmont Golden Agers. Probably not too many of your viewers even remember them. No. And this, again, was long before the Senior Center was here, before a lot of Council on Aging activities were. This was an organization of 150 senior citizens in town. Used to meet at the VFW Hall once a month, run by a woman named Loretta Stein and her husband Jim, and a wonderful, wonderful woman named Willa Rocket, known as the Purple Lady. Oh, every wow. article I
0: remember her
1: point. yeah she was a treasurer for the theater uh, club for many years and I went to to Mrs. Stein and I said I would love to give a lecture on foot care and public health to your group and she was so protective of this group hmm. that before she allowed to let me do it I had to give her my speech in her living room with her and her husband That's to so give her funny. and because right, she right. liked it She allowed me to. And what wound up happening, and the reason I bring this up, is I wound up talking a lot more about me, kind of like what we're doing now, Mm -hmm. and my thoughts on public health and everything else. I was not on the Board of Health at the time. And even afterwards, people just started coming in and saying, Hi, Dr. Alper, when they saw me on the street or the supermarket or something, having nothing to do with podiatry. And that's what really made Belmont home to me. And then, of course, you start joining committees. Yeah, and you start serving, you know, town meeting was one of the first things I did, of course, and no, no bigger, more well known body. Are you
0: still a town meeting? I member? am still. You a town are member. still. We Precinct, have one coming up.
1: Receipt 6, yes, I do, Monday night.
0: You also got involved in, and helped uh, start the Belmont Youth Commission, am I right? And then I, you helped restart it.
1: Right. I served as, you know, we brought that under the Board of Health. You know, uh, and one of the things that um, Donna Moltrip, back then our health director there, uh, truly believed is that things belonged underneath the umbrella of the health department. So we brought in the veteran's agent, we brought in animal control, and when it came time to look at something for the youth, we brought in the youth commission. And I, I did share it for, I think, four of the six years that it existed. And when the selectmen in their wisdom decided to open it up and Patrice and her wisdom found the money for it, uh, Adam Dash, who kind of had it as part of his campaign, approached me and said, would you be willing to be the institutional knowledge to uh, sit on the commission. And yeah. so I did for the first year with the understanding that I was going to slide off and let the movies right. run it. And it worked out really very well. It did. are doing them, You know, again, COVID, but they've done a beautiful job of keeping things. Going
0: it has right been there. hard with COVID. I agree. You know,
1: but um, it's, it's those types of things that really just, as I said, it kind of makes you, you know, just part of the fabric of the town to where people feel comfortable knowing you and talking to you and, and you always run into to a friend, and that's one of the things that was so unique about Belmont, and combining my business and my personal life. You know, my kids growing up, I saw a lot of my kids' friends you know, when they were growing up. And it was hard on my kids because we had to teach them at a very young age that people deserve their privacy. You can't go to school and say, oh, Tommy saw my dad the other day. They had to learn about HIPAA laws at a very young age. Right,
0: exactly, that's so
1: true. You know, so, but I mean, I saw them, I saw the teachers, you know, I mean, you know, I'm fortunate enough to know a lot of the police and fire department for the same type of thing. Um, And that's why I'm not looking to leave. So right. I'm looking to this. I do hope that you this,
0: can stay, but, yeah. Um, yeah,
1: you know, I, nobody's pushing me out. Not too fast. Good.
0: Now, you do seem to be into sports, because as I look around, I see a <laughs> lot of collectibles, photographs, paraphernalia from every New England team.
1: Well, I'm a collector from Dust Collectors, first of all. As you go through the office, there's quite a few collections through here. Uh, and I did that purposely for two reasons. Number one... I spend a lot of time in this office, so I wanted to surround myself with things that I like. I never wanted to decorate the office in early foot, you know, (laughs) with the pictures of ballerinas and whatever. And again, I wanted to make it interesting for the patients, you know, so if you're sitting in the waiting room or you're sitting in here waiting for me. Um, I am a sports junkie, so short story for this. When I was a boy in New York, my friends and I used to go down to the hotels and wait for the visiting team buses to come in, and we would chase after the players, and they would sign for kids back in the 70s. And fortunately, I had a mother who never threw anything away. So everything autographed here, I got by standing in front of the player doing it. And the books behind your cameraman there are filled with about 5,000 different items from that. Wow. But then I came to Boston, and I believe in a parish mentality. So I embraced the Red Sox, and I embraced the Patriots. I'm a season ticket holder for both for many years. And so the, all the Yankees so that they You're not away. a
0: Yankees fan anymore.
1: Never was Mets. <laughs> Yankees was the Bronx. We were Brooklyn. So okay, okay. Dodgers and then the Mets.
0: Well, what about Mets? Are you a Mets fan? I follow them.
1: I mean, I was there in '69 for the miracle. Um, so I do follow them. But no, no, no. I've been here too long to, uh, to turn my back on the um, on the sports. So
0: you here. consider Belmont your home?
1: Oh, very much so. Very. Much. This is where I'm. This is where I'm from now. This is where I am. Uh, this is my home for my children. Uh, this is a home for my wife. I mean, my wife's fortune, She can bop to where she grew up if she wanted to. But no, no, no. Because my kids have the same thing. The toughest thing about being my child is being Dr. Alper's son or daughter. They did have to grow up with that. So people <laughs> are like, oh, yeah, you know, I knew your dad type of thing. They're, at this point, they just kind of roll their eyes and move on. Um, well, but no, this is home.
0: What's your advice to someone who's considering becoming a podiatrist?
1: Wow. Well, that's a good question, because we actually do mentor people. Uh, you do definitely have to like to be a people person. And again, I know that sounds trite.
0: And not have a, a fear of feet.
1: Well, no. Or, <laughs> you know, or you have to like feet. and can't mind the odors. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, but after these many years, psh, uh, you really do have to be uh, willing to work with people, because number one you're going to be spending time talking about other things. You know, again, it's not like a radiologist or or, or a cardiac surgeon where, boy, you're focused on your heart. You don't want to hear about the picnic that you had last weekend. (laughs) So you do need to be able to to talk a little bit. Um, You do need to have a a, a lot of sympathy because feet can cause a lot of pain, and you have to really be willing to work with that a little bit. And it can be wearing sometimes, you know. It can be a long day to hear 30, 40 bitches about pain and agony and this and that. (laughs) But... The pleasure you get of relieving it is what your reward is really going to be. So I think that's the kind of approach that's a little bit unique. You can certainly narrow your focus more than I did. There are colleagues of mine that only do kids, believe it, podopediatrics. Uh, there are people that just do wound care. There are people that are just surgeons. Um, I prefer to quote-unquote general practice, uh, which was my type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that you do need to realize that you're going to become part of these people's lives, too. Because, again, if you have diabetes, you need to see the foot doctor five to six times a year. Yeah. You're going to build a relationship with these people or not. And that's a whole lot different than most doctors where you go with a problem, your problem solved, and you move on. So it's in that respect, it's a different and unique part of medicine. What
0: would you say is the most common problem that you with over the
1: years? Well, number one is, pre- is prevention. I see people, again, with diabetes, with circulation issues and things, and I do a lot of preventative work in teaching to keep their feet healthy. Um, when I was doing surgery, it would be hammer toes, the toes that are cocked up like this because ladies still wear three-inch heels, thank God, um, <laughs> and so doing the surgery to straighten them out was the big deal. I think um, for non-surgical, I would say it would be injuries, plantar fasciitis, sprained ankles, uh, with kids, I do a lot of, of gait or walking problems, kids that walk flat-footed or mm-hmm. what we used to call knock-kneed or, or pigeon-toed. Yeah. Uh, I work with a lot of inserts in people's shoes um, to try to help correct that. So I do a lot of that type of work.
0: I don't see you retiring, Dr. Alper. <laughs> I see you retiring, but I still see you maybe helping people out here and there on the side.
1: I hope so. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I, it's who I am. You know, it's it's part of what I've done for, like I said, more than half my life. Um, and I'm very, very fortunate that I've got my health. I've, I've got clarity of mind. My, my hands are still good. Your so, feet are still good? And my feet are still good, yes. I actually can't say I've had many foot problems. And I can't, <laughs> my family's feet are good. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's going to be, you know... As I said, I'm very deep into the the workings of my national society, and I'm certainly going to continue to do that. But I wouldn't say no if a colleague needed a little locum tenens for me to fill in for a couple days, because whatever. Um, I could probably see myself doing that a little bit. I just
0: don't see you hanging up your doctor's hat. Just don't see it. Because it's in your
1: blood. Well, you're going to be around here, too, so you'll be able to watch me and see what (laughs) I do and go like this.
0: (laughs) Well... I think this has been a lot of fun. Um, we'll definitely be talking. I want to look forward to hearing all about your retirement plans and seeing you at the Payson Park concerts
1: Absolutely. over the summer. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joanna.
0: Oh, you're welcome. This has been such a fun interview for me. And um, Dr. Alper, you're just the most colorful person I know in Belmont. And I wish you well in your retirement. And I want I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you're thinking of a career in podiatry, you know who to call. And um, I'll be buzzing around town. I'm going to buzz off for now. Thanks again for tuning in.